Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Chase. And this is Collab and Caffeine. And this is Collab and Caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, man. Um, so we have a pretty cool little agenda today, Chase. Um, I think we should just kind of dive in a little bit, so to say. Um, let's talk about some hybrid work transition and pretty much how these devices are helping us and hurting us in our today's society. Yeah, um, so the devices were a blessing and a curse, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, we get into, you know, a lot of folks, obviously, we all know the story here. There's nothing new. Mm -hmm. Everybody went home for the virus. Uh, everybody tried to figure it out uh, as best they could. A lot of webcams, a lot of poor meeting experiences, everything from, you know, why is WebEx making my laptop chuff <laughs> to, you know, um, my neck hurts to whatever the reasons are at the end of the day. And then everybody comes back to the office after the pandemic's over. And, uh, you know, here we are trying to restaple together um, that same terrible laptop experience in actual boardrooms. And, man, that's just confusing to me. It is. Like, why everybody wants that. It is. And, er and, and everyone I get into, and, and especially in some of our, our new pr design practices, which we'll get into that in a little while, but they all want everybody sitting around the table. They want everybody to have their own real estate on every meeting, so I, they want 15 different cameras in every room. It's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to sell you 15 different cameras, but it's a little bit of an overkill in my opinion. I mean, the BU is more than excited to take your money, I'm sure, yeah. uh, you know, to be able to make this work. But, uh, yeah, uh, as I've seen, actually, uh, it's, it's funny you say that, uh, not just us, you know, I say that tongue-in-cheek here, but I've seen some awful – awful boardroom designs mm -hmm. lately that's the new thing is like uh i'm not calling out names <laughs> here not saying anybody but i've seen 15 ptz cameras lined up at the front of a boardroom you know that contractor is still smiling about how much money they probably made on that room because oh, yeah. uh every single one of those zoom room pcs that was hooked up to that had to be joined to the meeting i mean it's it's a perfect it's in perpetuity, you know what I mean? Like you're always going to have problems with that room because you're going to be sitting there going and starting every one of those 15 PCs <laughs> into the meeting every time you start a meeting. Well, it's not it's not as bad as the one I saw where they had um, a competitor's webcams in front of every seat around this round table. And it was just like, why you're just going to come into this conference room and plug your laptop in and use the camera that's right in front of you instead of using the camera system that's part of the conference room and this is why they came to us for help on this design practice so getting back to the original statement of is it hurting or helping us it's helping us get more visibility and getting into the door with with the, a lot of these customers when it, in terms of what we can offer now is it hurting us yes because th what they want us to do is create the work from home environment in a boardroom setting yeah, and video conferencing systems, frankly, weren't originally designed to no. do this. No, they weren't. They weren't, not at all. And th but it's, to me, I have the field that comes to me with questions about specific things, and then they'll ask, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Why can't we do a, a three-room divisible room with MTR mode? 
I get I get these questions regularly, and it, it, it eventually I'm just going to post something on my on my status on the WebEx app saying, "No, you can't do that." That's all it's going to say. And people won't understand the context <laughs> at all, and they'll say, "Zach, really? What do, What do you mean you can't <laughs> yeah. do that?" You know, I thought WebEx did everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey. Um, the, the, the one I get often is, you know, they want these advanced experiences, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't want to pay or there's no budget in the, in the funding to be able to make the project or the idea work. And they've had another vendor that's come in, you know, and that other vendors told them some shit about how we can do this amazing look and it'll look great and I'm like okay I mean like at some point I have to almost just let you go and let you kind of go try it out and see how bad this is going to look because you just didn't believe me at the end of the day. Oh I know we, we have you and I both have this one particular integrator that we're working with who uh, I'm not mentioning names but uh, he's a uh, he's a fun person to, uh, to he's a unique <laughs> individual and uh, he he pretends he knows a lot he does not know a lot, and but some of the questions that he asks is just—it's crazy. It's absolute craziness, and you could tell him fifteen times the answer to his question, but he's still going to ask that same question over and over and over again. Like wearing off on well, I want PSA. Yeah, and I want to be able to give these people the right answers. Um, the thing is, like, it goes into us as, I guess, engineers and as a sales team, you know, we have to be able to present a, a cohesive solution quickly, I find, or the patience gets lost to <laughs> hear maybe what might be a better solution. So sometimes, you know, if you don't have the full history of the customer, it's that much harder to arrive at that point sooner than later, I suppose. Uh, because if you spend time trying to hear them out and uh, you don't have, you know, a voice yet where you can really tell them, you know, what is and isn't going to work uh, based on your experience, you know. Um, you might spend a lot of time trying to get to the point of, well, you know, that design isn't really going to work because of this or that, you know. There's technical limitations or yeah. the ones that are harder and just absolutes that we can't work within is, you know, optical limitations. Oh, well, the camera's only good for so many feet. Oh, yeah. Well, I need it to go twice that far. And it's like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, a room bar isn't going to cover, you know, a 50-foot deep room. Nope. You know, uh, you're going to have a bad day. Though. Yeah, and, they, and they, they're like, hey, why can't one quad cam cover all these angles on this one, on this one table that's a 30-foot table? I said, well, 30 feet, you're maxing out the range of this bad boy, and uh, you're going to have to drop something else in this room. Oh, I don't like that yeah. idea. How about I design you something, which is going to segue into our next section here. How about I design you something that will work as I'm going to over-engineer it. I always, over -over I always throw in way more cameras than probably what is needed, but I'm yeah. making sure every seat is covered. Yeah, and I mean seat coverage is an interesting conversation mm -hmm. too. Uh, like what is coverage for you versus what is the coverage expectation for somebody else? Like, when I say I'm covered, I'll say, you know, can I, can I reasonably, if everybody's looking at the screen, get a good image of the person on the other side? And that's coverage for me. But, you know, 
depending on the looks that people want or the room itself, uh, if there's multiple monitors in the room mm -hmm. and main videos on, you know, the north wall and the south wall, you know, sometimes that gets challenging because then, you know, folks turn in the room, the physical movement of people in space yeah. changes the dynamic of how you design the room because, you know, the mics aren't even facing in the correct direction, maybe, for instance, or everybody's faces and backs are going to be turned to the camera at some point. And how do the video systems know what you're doing? Well, they don't. They're dumb. They're, du they're dumb know? systems. <laughs> and, and, and the way we do the divisible rooms, they're even dumber because we're actually just using other codecs to power and push the video while one codec is the primary controlling all of it. So yeah, and, and that, that one just always feels a little weird to customers when yeah. you explain to them, I'm literally using another codec just so that I can line out main video from another quad camera into a pro or into an EQ. And folks are like, well, is the camera that dumb? And it's like, no, actually the camera's really that smart. And <laughs> uh, so is the codec that's that it's connecting to. And it's just the nature of how these were built. Uh, yeah. And folks, you know, they think that we're just doing an ass grab for money a lot of the times too. And it's like, no, no, we're not in it for the money. Like we would do it differently if we could. They do, they do. And, and you know, I, I never go into these engagements saying, hey, how much, how much are we looking to spend here? I'm gonna design it the way I want to design it and you're gonna like it or you're not. I mean, there's, I'm not, you, you, you invited us to come into your house to play with your puppies and we're gonna we're gonna tell you what breed to use. You know that, that that's that's yeah. the kind of that's how I approach them. Um, but I like it to be collaborative, but it isn't always that way, though. No, and I I'm finding myself more and more being brought in as more of the authoritative influence person on these conversations. Where just just yesterday I was brought into a conversation where they brought their AV integrator in, and the AV integrator was telling them, hey, this is what we need to do, this is what we need to do, this is what we need to do. The customer goes, I want to hear Cisco, and I want Zach to say, hey, does that sound good to you? And I'm sitting there going, I, I have no idea what that particular microphone is. I need to research it and take it back to the team. I said, if it's, if it's me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, use the mics that we had talked about and don't switch anything up because we know that those mics are going to work. Yeah. But – and there's a reason I'm, I, well, that's actually a very good point. Like, you know, whenever you talk into a customer, they may have familiarity with a product. And, you know, this is a giant market space inside of this AV design practice, yeah. room design, whatever we're going to call it. Um, we don't have access to every single thing. You know, mm -hmm. you and I are working out of our houses <laughs> back to the, the hybrid nature of things. And, you know, it's not like we have this office where we can squirrel this stuff away, have all this testing time. Like, when we talked to Corey about it, you know, that was an important thing. You know, it's like we can only test what we can test and we can only know about what we know about within reason. At some point, you know, everybody's system is a little bit different. If I have a QSYS processor, it's going to work a little bit different than maybe a BiAmp, then it'll work with a Sure. You know, we've got all kinds of things here, and each of those mics is going to work different. How that video is composited, for instance, if you're using QSYS and you're doing that and you're importing that. I mean, there's a lot of different nuance in that. And for us to stay up to date on every single third party piece of gear is an impossible task, I would say, for us. It would you need an integrator that's that's their full time job to be able to answer some of those questions and even those folks 
come back to me on a regular basis <laughs> and are asking me questions about our thing. Oh, no, and, and, and I'm happy to be your resident expert on the products that I know. I'm happy to, to sell you everything Cisco because that's kind of what our room design practice or what I like to call it our hybrid workplace solutions. Um, I'm still trying to get Corey to change the name. That, that's a long name. It is. But yeah. It is. But uh, it's, you know, the old way that we used to do it here at Cisco was, was old and it had a lot of, it was a great practice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discrediting it at all. Everybody loved it. Everybody, everybody still talks about it. But but the way that we're doing it is a little different than way that our predecessors did it. Yeah, and it, it's mostly out of born out of the necessity. It's not out of like a desire. Mm -hmm. I would say, for us to to do it the way we are, but we're too wide, and that's it. And essentially, uh, you know, we have to be able to do a lot and to scale like we need to for all of Cisco's customers. This is the way we do it. Yeah, it's actually, it's opened the door for me. I don't know about for you, but definitely for me, it's opened the door to a lot of different customers that I normally wouldn't be engaged with. But that door has definitely opened up on some other customers that I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of a cool customer. I'll, I'll help you. And. And they're like, well, this design depends upon the rest of the world's design. And I'm like, well, no pressure. Cool. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the times uh, our own teams do the right thing, and sometimes they do the wrong thing, I would say. Um, they tend to say that this is everything for the rest, and, you know, they don't think of it in terms of this is how, how simple it could be. You know, it could be just as simple as just that boardroom. And they just hope that at the end of the day – this is going to pan out to be a big deal, but sometimes it's just as simple as just listen to what the customer wanted. You know, yep. uh, it might just be that easy. Yep, yep. That's that's kind of how I roll. Just just a lot of times, all they want to be, all they want to do is be listened to. That's it. Just listen to them, and tell them, hey, your idea is crap, or hey, that's a good idea. Let's see if we can make it a little better. I always go into it thinking like, how can I make what they're telling me reality? I suppose. Yeah, that's or how how close can I get to be that? That's a good way to that's a good way to put it. How how close can I get your your floating camera robot to go around each person as they talk to work? <laughs> Are you talking about an owl camera there? No, Zach? no, I, we we need one. We need an owl camera. Uh, I th I think I had a I had a customer the other day swear to me that an owl was going to capture a room as well as a quad cam would. It wouldn't, and it's a very it's a very niche type of uh, camera in my opinion I do have places where that would work well I'm not going to lie to you I do have places where an Alcam would be perfect but there's also the uh, what happens if this person moves Can and then they're like hey will the Al <laughs> camera will the, it, would an Al camera do this no no an Al camera won't do that I don't know much about Al cameras from just reading on the inner tubes and stuff like that, but there is a compared an, a cheap owl camera to our devices. There is a night and day difference. Yeah. So, well, I want to talk a little bit about we we were talking a little bit about this actually earlier. Is uh, let's go into meeting booking etiquette. Oh gosh, you're making this sound all oh fancy. Oh yeah, it's uh. It's it is fancy. It's a fancy talk because 
the reason why is I get pinkies, pinkies up. up, pinkies up. I, I always uh. get people that will just book me an Uber. They don't even look at my calendar. They'll book it. And I'll, I might be booked. I might be triple booked, but they'll book it. I'm okay. So what do you do? De- depending on the severity of the meeting. That's how I base what meetings I attend and what meetings I don't. I mean, I, I, I'm, my calendar is full of meetings, just full. And I, I, I'll ping the person who sent me the meeting invite, and I'll be, what is this about? There's no content. Oh, so they just throw it on you, and you don't even have you. They, they never reached out. Nope. They never made a call. They never said, hey, I have this thing that I think you help That's with. Correct. Just slam meeting. Just a, just a meeting, and then then they'll be like, "Oh, uh, remember remember this guy? He needs help because he's having a hard time with uh, microphones connecting to his EQ." I'm like, "Well, that's so okay. okay. You, you could have led with that. You could you you know or, or or you know something along those lines. Or just give give me the courtesy yeah. of letting me know what this is maybe going to be about. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to be uh." really different <laughs> there in that regard I, i'm 180 out of phase from you on this one so d- nobody do what i do because uh i've caused some strife before on my my etiquette so um i have no meetings that i ever accept broadly because of the very reason that you actually said right there i got tired of people telling me um and just kind of dictating my calendar for me so they generally just drop the meetings on my calendar and I'm expected to attend. So what's the purpose and the function of the accept or decline? Because it doesn't really feel optional for you at the end of the day. Whenever they put these, as you said, important meetings where they want to know about these things, um, you, the engineer, feel like you know you don't really have a say in it. It's like, hey, I got to figure uh, it, like I have five meetings wide and I have to figure out which one I'm going to go to. The new thing that I do is like, hey. Um, I'm I'm triple booked, for instance. Um, I'm going to start this one for the first 10, and I'll talk to the account team about it first, and then I'll have to jump to the next one. Um, and then I'll say, hey, I'm going to be here from 20 minutes on, oh you yeah. know, or something yeah. like that. And then th- those are the ones where it gets dicey because nobody wants to move the meeting or for fear of having to reach back to the customer and ask for another time. Yeah, and a, lo- and, and a lot of times I'll, I'll look at the meeting to see if there are customers on the call. And if there are... The chances of me joining are probably higher than there if there wasn't. Just, just be, just because yeah. it's a customer and I. They matter, they matter the most. The most. Uh, yep. Uh, and if it's not, I'm probably not going to join the meeting unless it has something to do with something that I've given you, information I've given you, or if it's a prelude to a customer engagement that you want to talk about. I'm all for those, but let's let's try to find some time that works better on my calendar. And I, I'm, I'm getting them at 6 o'clock at night now. I'm getting meeting invites at 6 o'clock at night. Ooh. I got one uh, next week till 7 at night, you know, that is just indiscriminately dropped. So, yeah, I mean, we have those things in WebEx where it attempts to nag you a bit in the app and t- let you know, hey, this is outside that guy's time zone. You may want to try to, I don't know, maybe not do that. Um but obviously, you know, the WebEx scheduler isn't always where everybody builds their stuff, yeah. and concept of time zone seems lost on a lot. Like, it's no secret that the majority of the development team that builds these devices and all of these audio devices 
they're all in Oslo, you know, and uh, that's a serious time differential mm -hmm. between, you know, if you're in California time versus Oslo, for instance. Um, and, you know, you actually have to at least – somebody's going to be upset at the end of the day probably. You know, either the Oslo team's staying up late or um, in California time you're getting up really early, and everybody knows California people just love to sleep in, you yeah. know. So essentially uh, it's a challenge for everybody. So somebody's got to give, and I always try to ask them first, though, before I even book the meeting. Is like, hey, what would work for you? And they're incredibly uh, gregarious about it, and they tend to be willing to work with whatever you got over there. I they find. are, but others lack that capability. They are willing to work with you, and and you know what? What's even cooler is I think all of us should take a page out of how our uh, BU does operate outside of business hours in Oslo. If they're offline, they're not going to answer you. I wish. They will not answer <laughs> you. Know. you. Period. And I like it. You know, it's like, hey, this isn't my time to be online. I am offline. Yeah, they're taking their, their um, me time. Yeah, and some of our uh, our own team that's in other countries, you know, I noticed that there's a hard line between work and yeah. life. You know, and when, when you cross that line from, hey, my working hours are done and it is lifetime now and I am going to set aside – I like that they unplug hard and fast, you know, like, like Corey, you know, Corey yeah. talks about it whenever he goes on, on vacation. He's like, Hey, this is it. I'm unplugging. We are done. And, and you know, know, that's the way to live. And I think, I think all of us should probably, I mean, it's called work life balance. And there's, there's a lot of people who don't have that. Do you not feel the pressure though at times to continue to stay working? Like I can feel it sometimes. It's like, you know, Hey, should I go take that vacation or should I not? Yeah. Well, sometimes it feels like, hmm. Well, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. There, there, there is sometimes, sometimes there's that kind of pressure. Um, more, more so, like around my time because I'm on East Coast. Four o'clock, five o'clock, my time. I know that some of the people that I work with are over on the e on the West Coast, and I know they're probably going to ask me a question at like six o'clock my time, seven o'clock my time. Yeah, and do I answer it and stay engaged for the next hour or do I let it ride till tomorrow? I mean, how, how important is that three word answer that I'm going to give them? And I have that happen all the time. So like, you know, I'm in, I'm in central. Yeah. Uh, I was using California as an example earlier. I'm in Louisiana guys. So, um, but yeah, anyway, um, California folks ping me after hours and I'm, I don't know, I'm taking my kid to his soccer yeah. match or, you know, and, and I've taken on even coaching in that. And it's like, you know, I can't be on the sideline answering questions in the middle of a game trying to wrangle, you know, eight, ten young kids running around around a soccer field. Know. You know, it's like, okay, well, it's kind of rough. And uh, I do have the, the group, though, that uh, <laughs> there's a guy that uh, I work really well with. Um, he, as soon as he sees me go green, though, he'll start calling me or things like that. And, you know, your status shoots green the second you fire up our apps. And it's just like, oh, that gives me permission to yeah. call you. Well, I don't know. Social cues tell me, like, what time is this? You know, should I bother this person? And that's a weird one, man. My wife and I are different there. I presume the tech will keep some of the stuff out of people's way whenever they don't want it or they choose to allow it in mm -hmm. or not. Um, but, like, she extends this out to even text messaging. So, like... It's 11 o'clock at night, um, for instance, and, like, we hear a weird noise outside or something like that. She's like, well, 
I normally text the neighbor to let them know I heard some kind of a weird noise, but I don't do it because maybe they're asleep or maybe there's something going on and she thinks about the people before she sends. For me, I'm just like, well, my phone's in do not disturb. If I don't want to hear it, I don't see it, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just different trains of thoughts, and I understand, but I mean, I think it's important that you at least try. Oh, yeah. And everybody can feel that you're trying whenever you are. It's at least like, hey, that guy thought about it before he sent me that message, or what was the tone of the message? Like, uh, if it's after hours for me, like, was it, hey, I know you're probably busy, but, mm-hmm. you know, or was there any qualifier that came before it? And this is the one time in life that qualifiers are good. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you, if you qualify that question after hours that you know you're pinging somebody at 7 o'clock, <laughs> 8 o'clock at night, at least apologize for the, the late hour mm-hmm. or something like that. For me, that sounds yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, I do like it when they say, sorry, I know it's past your working hours. I, that I appreciate that. At least you're acknowledging that means that this question probably needs my attention. Yeah, and I could choose my next actions appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, do I answer or not? Now, along the um, same etiquette, cold calling randomly right when you go green. Oh. Yeah, that happens a lot. I, I get them when I'm in a meeting. The cold calls are ki- are just absolutely <laughs> awful to me. Like, especially if they see that you are in a meeting and for summary, or your status is, is uh, in yeah. WebEx, you know, so we have different statuses. I can see if you're in a meeting, but I can also see if you're in a call. Those are two different statuses. But if you're in a third-party meeting, those are the ones that are a little bit lacking sometimes. Yeah. So I can't necessarily tell. And you might, on, you might be in a, in a Google or a Zoom meeting, and that status isn't reflecting. And somebody fires a call directly All at you. All the time. Whenever you just start or you're presenting or something like that. That's the worst. Mm-hmm. If you ever see somebody's status is presenting and you bang them with a call all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's like, yeah, you must have your fingers <laughs> in your ears and you must not pay attention. Or, or you might not have your reading glasses on, one of the two. That, 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 that's, that happens, unfortunately. And, and you can forget about the DND. That doesn't work. Um, if, if the D&D on the WebEx application truly would just disable messages and everything else. You just want to disable all the services disable completely. All. Whenever that thing's enabled, <laughs> disable it. Just knock it, kill it all. <laughs> or send a, send a reply saying, I will get back to you when your D&D is over. Corey would love that because Corey would be like, yo, um, I'm putting it on D&D. And guys, you know what that means. Yep. I'm out. I'm out. You know, that <laughs> I'm out. Okay, um, our next thing on the, on the docket is uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it kind of quick as um, I'm still kind of going through it. I started reading a new book called uh, Wisdom of the Bullfrog. The book was written by a Navy SEAL, and the term bullfrog is given to the oldest Navy SEAL that was enlisted. So there's only one, and he is the bullfrog. Okay. Um, he wrote this book about leadership and it's so far it's been an amazing book there's a few things that i've really taken just reading the just reading the chapter headlines you, you can kind of start pondering yourself like one of the chapters is hope is not a strategy and you hear people all the time in in, in calls that we're in man i really hope that happens i really hope that dude 
you're getting me triggered <laughs> because that is a lot of the times <laughs> that's what I say. I lead with I hope that this works out. Well, or I hope I don't that mean to trigger that's anybody. A good I don't idea. mean to trigger anybody. But uh you know, and, and reading through that chapter is it's really not a strategy. You can't you can't bank your life on hope. Which now, Zach, <laughs> we aren't going and fighting a war here, man. This isn't live no, or it's die not. in collaboration. It's not, it's not live or die, but it, it, it could be the, the difference in, um, hey, I'm going to make this big sell, I hope, or, I, uh, or I'm going to give it everything I can is my strategy, you know, and if they decide. So is the, is the, is the crux of it that don't, don't rely on feeling and emotion and actually rely on data? Isn't I mean, kinda I mean sorta? isn't that, isn't that kind of how everything should work in, in, a, in a professional environment? Rely on data? Can't sell if it's not on the truck kind of stuff? Well, that's a, that's a thing that <laughs> we get caught on a lot inside of our group and inside of the sales force here. I mean, a lot of folks hedge a lot of times with our customers, and they hope, that's their <laughs> statement, that the feature or the functionality will be there by the time that things happen. And like the example I'll give now is the NPR status on our devices. You and I are constantly asked about, you know, support and official certification deadlines for some of the devices. And, you know, you and I are a small cog <laughs> small. in in the process small. here. Very small. <laughs> Every day I feel like I'm a smaller we'll get, cog, we'll if you will. But, but yeah, hoping that um, the device r uh, status will be there. I, to your point, it's not a good strategy to go into whenever you're talking with the it's folks. It's not, and, and you know, um, one, 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 of my, one of my mentors said, you can only sell what's on the truck. So if it's not on the truck, why, why are you even selling it? Why are you talking about it? Of course we're gonna talk about roadmap to items. Of course the customer's gonna be interested in that kind of stuff. But you need to set realistic expectations for them in those terms and be like, look, when it comes out, we'll make sure that you know, but we can't sell you 500 of them right now. Or the famous example that, you know, haunts us all within this group specifically is but before you came in was hope for companion <laughs> mode with a WebEx board and a room series device. Um, so I think... <laughs> I think we talked about it with customers. I think it was it was official that somebody had figured out the date. It was like three years before it actually came out, Oof. and you know that that's a pretty firm example in the in the negative that you don't want to do that. No. You know, uh, you get folks excited for something, you talk about it like it's next week, but then it never comes. That's the risk you run, and we do have a lot of folks in sales generally, and I'm going to make this generalization that you know. They want to show up to a customer with like this torch and they want that torch to be the light and they want to be able to have that torch and bring that light to the people with this new thing. And that's the only mechanism that they have to be able to satisfy needs of customers. And it's horrible um, because you just don't always have something interesting. Like I'm not that interesting. This podcast may not be that interesting, but we do try to find reality and to talk to and stay firmly guided in reality every time we talk. And, you know, as long as you do that, you'll never do anybody I wrong. Agree. You know, but the second that you get well out over your skis, as we say, uh, and you're talking about something that may happen, eh, you know. Yeah, and, and 
especially if somebody's not committed. In reality, you know, that's that's really that's that's what we try to do. We try to we try to keep ourselves grounded on, especially here in this this little bubble that we at, we're in. We try to stay within our reality, and and being within reality keeps us sane and keeps us employed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, to your point, you know, in the world that we're in, you know, it's important to, to stay within those rails. Yep. Um, okay, uh, so you have, I hope, some Room OS updates for us to go over. Uh, I know we're probably, what, a couple months behind at this point uh, since our last show, or one month behind. So uh, you got you got something out there for us on the Room OS update side? Yeah, I do. So uh, cruising over, getting it dialed up in the browser okay. here. So a couple important things um, to go over before we start actually just enumerating these out. So uh, the Norwegian business unit has decided that uh, there will be a skip for the next month. So there won't be uh, essentially any June release um, and essentially um, – Actually, I got that backwards uh, as I'm reading through it. We're skipping uh, software version RoomOS May 2023. Uh, software version released June 2023 will be released at the beginning okay. of June. So essentially, uh, that's the reality here. Uh, so you, that's what you see whenever you hit up the uh, what's new in RoomOS devices page on Cisco.com. So uh, as of May, though, May 2nd, there was a release, and essentially it was actually a delayed uh, release from the previous month is kind of the way okay. I like to look at it. So they, they gave you a late iteration there. So on that one, let's uh, work from the top down there. So May, uh, when you're looking at the release notes here, we have hot desking, personal business line with what X calling. So you, my friend, I know are – pretty close to WebEx call on the video devices as you know that was largely a, a big portion of your tasks that you had to deal with whenever you were supporting internal Cisco yep. users. Um, uh, this essentially is going to give us the ability to have hot desking which is a thing that you know the, fo the folks on the pod may not yeah. know about but you know the desk series all support the concept of hot desking on them so essentially the QR code you walk up uh, you can log in with your WebEx app, and you can seize control of the shared device and make it yours, and you can book time with it. Well, now what we've got is the ability to grab your personal line. So, Zach Elliott, you are associated inside a control hub with a WebEx call directory number, and that's a PSDN real-world number. And essentially, you know, whenever you were to walk up to a Desk Mini or a Desk Pro in a, in a shared space, this gives you the ability to grab your phone, bloop, you know, scan in, and then get to use your telephone number. Wow. So whenever you start making and placing calls, you know, it's not like you're coming from this weird number whenever somebody were to get a call from you. So, so that means that essentially that if Nana wants to call me on my work phone number and I'm hot desked in an RTP, that's going to ring there because Nana doesn't have a video device. Yeah. Okay. I mean, mom's right. calling whoever, okay. yep. Um, the other thing on that is, uh, you know, we've kind of had that before to some degree, but, you know, this is just a PSTN component of it. So, um, and it also brings in all your recents and your made in place calls too. So you get access to all of those as well. Um, next thing I guess we move to 
is the audio watermarking in the WebEx meeting. <laughs> so this is a pretty trick feature. Um, in, I would suppose, uh, super secret squirrel areas and in uh, areas where, you know, you've got concerns over what's being said in a WebEx meeting, um, it's a unique piece. So obviously inside of WebEx, we've had the ability to do some audio watermarking here recently. And let's say you and I are having protected content discussions. You know, you and I are talking about how uh, we're going to hatch the collab and caffeine store or something like that. I don't know. We're never going to start selling merchandise. <laughs> it's just you yeah. and me, buddy. Um, <laughs> T-shirts. This isn't going to replace a retirement plan, let's just say. Um, essentially, though, if we ever had uh, something secret and we wanted to have assurance that, you know, Zach wasn't going to have his phone, you know, sitting out on the side and he's recording us and he's going to go and uh, sell that information somewhere yeah. else, you know, or we had some degree of proprietary stuff happening. Well, WebEx has the ability, I guess, somehow to, I don't know how it's done technically uh, because I haven't read into it enough, but to figure out if somebody is recording, then they can, m you know, bring that information back to who it was, was the source of the leak. So. Do you I have any? Uh, I don't know how it? that particularly like the recording aspect of it. I do know that it, you do have to go through Control Hub to enable it. So and it, it's audio, it's audio watermarking. It's uh, it's a toggle. So now, as far as being able to actually have the whatever org specific that you're working on, if it needs another toggle outside of that to be enabled, I don't know the answer to that. I will have to dig into that a little bit more because I have been asked that question just last month if we had the capability oh really? to do audio water watermarking. So, so I've, got, I've got some hardware manufacturers that do some unique things with their with our video devices, and some of their concerns could be alleviated with things like this, but they do other prescriptive mechanisms in some of these things uh, sometimes where they actually, you know, they may not register the devices at all, and uh, they do IP dial direct between them as a kind of a rudimentary control means. And that's a kind of a terrible way to do it in my view because, you know, you lose management of the devices and they don't get updated and they kind of hang out in the corner. Yeah. Um, but this will now be extended out to the devices is the big piece. So obviously if you're in a WebEx and you're a soft client, it's easy to do that because it's the audio is being uh, passed through there. I d and I don't know if the video devices have to do much. It's theoretically the same audio stream that you're grabbing off the wire, but uh, it's actually called out as a new feature. Now. That's 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 pretty awesome, actually. I'm, I'll, I'll be happy uh, to let some folks know that. So I guess uh, we'll move on. Um, the next, uh, by the way, uh, I just I think it's important to point out the BU gave a really big fat release this time. So like usually historically, like a year ago, you might get one or two yeah. features in a month, and I guess they knew that uh, they needed to make up for the fact that they're taking a uh, a, d uh, a month off. So like they're like we're stuffing this thing chock full of uh, of features because you know usually you might get like I said one or two, but. I th we're going to keep going here for a bit, and you'll see at the end of it that it's pretty, pretty oh, nice. Good. Um, the uh, the next thing is Zoom call controls on board and desk series. Yeah, that's been so that's been something that everybody's been wanting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, a good dude, 
a really good dude, Bobby McGonigal. He uh, originally developed these neat uh, Zoom macros where essentially when he was uh, working at a previous life, um, his his customer had gone and moved to Zoom, unfortunately, but they were using our devices. And uh, essentially, um, he needed a way to be able to continue to use the devices and to have a lot of use out of them still for the customer. And he developed this awesome set of macros, which were kind of a two-parter. There was the join Zoom mm -hmm. experience, where essentially you'd tap that button and you'd be able to key in the meeting ID. And then he also built DTMF codes and automation for that, where if you tap the Zoom tools button inside of there, you would then have the ability to control other aspects of the Zoom call, which have always been there if you dialed in with SIP. But the problem was always that you know you had to know yeah. DTMF codes, which nobody uh, knows those. You know, like the average Joe and Jane have no clue what that is when they walk into a meeting and. Even I sometimes, I'm like, I have to go look it up before, uh, whenever I'm doing Pound things. Pound six so. forks, all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff, you know, or like, how do I set that as the default yeah. every time, you know, and uh, it's like, oh, well, how so do we So, Mr. Well, Mr. Bobby created the macros that probably all of Cisco should have known about prior to this coming out as a native experience. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, and... And frankly, I was surprised that, you know, his good works were often unnoticed uh, at times. So, um, and I don't say that as like, you know, a bad thing on us as a whole, but just, you know, uh, it was a useful thing and it would have helped us for sure during the pandemic a little bit more. So as we progressed through Room OS 11, you know, essentially the BU made the decision to start including that type of functionality natively inside of Room OS 11. So, it started with the join Zoom button that we all can now surface through Control Hub. So you fire that toggle off and then you can turn that on, on devices or off. Well, this new one is actually the in-meeting controls and it's essentially that DTMF automation side. So uh, you gotta think of this as a two-parter. You know, the join Zoom button just gets you in and then the controls give you the final bits where you can actually you know, automate the DTMF presses and have buttons that will actually tell you what you're doing inside of the meeting and make it easier visually for oh, the users. That's nice. It's pretty close to the looks of a Zoom room device at the end of the day is what it was designed to mimic. Just without the Zoom logos. Just without the <laughs> Zoom logos, yeah. So that's nice. Um, next up on the agenda, we got uh, join WebEx webinars as an attendee. Oh, the long asked for. So how many webinars do we have internally where, you know, you want to join on your video device? And historically, the answer has always been a resounding, no, we can't do that. There's always, you know, when we go back to the days of old meeting center-based yep. WebEx, you know, gosh, we had all the different flavors of WebEx that you had to join. Oh, is it a webinar? Is it a this? Is it a that? You know, is it a PMR? Is it a CMR? Yeah. You know, so um, this essentially makes everything a little bit le more blurry, oh. where essentially the users don't even realize that they're going on a device, and you can actually not have to think about, oh, well, I'm going to go join on my soft client, and then maybe get somewhat of an experience that's a bit disjoint between soft client and hard end. So, so basically, basically what this is is it allows you to, if I if I'm working from my desk pro and I just I can join the webinar directly from my desk pro I don't have to have anything else going so oh that's that's pretty handy actually or you can it's 
fourth one button to push, as yeah. you're mentioning. So essentially, if I've got a webinar on my calendar, I forward that to a room resource. If I walked into the Chicago office today, you know, oh, there's a panel room that's open, you know, just shoot that over to Art Institute and off we go. You know, next thing you know, you're sitting in the nice room and you have the ability to use all that uh, video device there, which is pretty great, I think, at the end of the day. Um, the next thing up on the list that we've got uh, for this month is the cable share pop-up, which um, is essentially the new flow to be able to help users figure out, you know, okay, I see that you've jacked an HDMI or a USB-C cable into the device, and it knows it's there, and it previews it in a little tiny tip in the bottom of the, the screen so that you can make a decision, you know, if it needs dismiss, view, or share, yeah. and call. Because historically, um, the way that this worked was, you know, you had to know, touch the screen, share, then you get the pop, the prop that says, you know, which input do you want, and, you know, our codecs, you know, have a ton of different inputs on mm -hmm. them, you know, for an EQ that I'm kicking the tires with at home, you know, you've got USB-C, HDMIs, and depending on how it's configured, um, some of those may be always present. Uh, if you have all of those inputs set that way, or only if connected is the other option. So uh, the if connected may give you the appearance of, you know, a very easy flow. It was kind of similar to this, where if I plug in that cable, then the then it shows up as available, and I can go ahead and Do share you think that'll give us the capability uh, to change what that's called on a navigator? I, I know it says select input device, right? So whenever you have that enabled, mm -hmm. it says select input device. I have been asked if we can change the name of that. Not fun. Okay, so so I have I uh, I have this set up, and whenever I go in and I have the little select input device button on my navigator, I select that, yep. and it then pops up with HDMI, how are you connected kind of thing. They want to be able to change that and limit that to only one so they don't have the screen uh, that shows all these different kinds of connections they just want it to be one ah. that's a good way of describing what you're going to yeah. get now you know with this experience much much more pipe very in. so like what was the last thing that was yep, plugged very in? good that's that's that'll make some people happy and i guess it kind of does go hand in hand with the next enhancement which is the visual update that they're they're casing it as so um, on the not the automatic pop-up version, so the let's say I connect, uh, the previous feature that I was mentioning is all about the on connect. I'm going to offer you a small preview pip that says, would you like yeah. to share? The, the classic sharing menu still exists. So if I have you know a bunch of sources plugged in and I need to actually pick which one I'm going to, uh, that little menu still is going to remain in the background. So if I actually touch the navigator or I touch the screen and I have my options of what I want to yeah. share, that's still very much there. But what it does show now inside of that screen is whether or not you're viewing that input right now or not. So uh, in the little pr box, you're not actually getting the preview of it, but what you get is little taggings that say viewing so that you know, or you know, so it's a little bit more that's obvious handy. what's going on in there. Yeah. Um, it does definitely help, you know, so whenever you're trying to figure out which one, like let's pretend you had a Kodak Pro and you had a bunch of different things plugged mm -hmm. in, at least you know that's not the one. You know, if I already have it up on my screen 
and I was sharing it yeah. locally. Um, and I wanted to make sure, have some degree of assurance that that's the correct display that I'm going to send into this meeting. At least I know ahead of time, to some degree, whether or not that's the one. Awesome. Yep. And that's actually pretty much it for uh, yeah, for this month. Yeah, that was a fat little release, huh? Yeah. And uh, what is neat, I'll call out while we're while we're here before we leave. Um, and I don't want to spoil next month's uh, collab and caffeine. By don't spoil chance, it yet. But uh, there, there's now a coming soon section as well on the What's New Room OS page. And the coming soon page is probably just as fat, if not fatter, uh, of a release, it looks like. So the BU has definitely got, uh, they're actually calling it out ahead of time now. They've never done this historically, where they give you that much of a view out into the future of what's so coming. So when I was when I was working on supporting internal sales, they used to do that with the WebEx application. They used to give you uh, this is coming kind of stuff. Um, and once that release would get released, I'd have people pinging me, hey, where's this at? Where's this at? I'd have to go back to the BU and be like, hey, was this released? Oh, no, that was delayed till next month. I hope we don't run into that with that coming soon stuff. Yeah, um, I, I will s concede. So um, everybody uh, was waiting for some features to hit there uh, in the upcoming releases. And I did see that they have modified this list. So it does happen that they will cool. modify That's the future nice. releases, I guess based on priorities and based on uh, contractual agreements and or things getting shifted and lifted around in the schedule. So it is well, a thing. Well, that's good. I, well, that's I'm, I'm happy that they are uh, they're giving us a little little preview of what what's coming. That's that's nice to have. We'll, we'll go with an amuse-bouche. A small coming. tasting. Just the, just the small taste. Spoon. You know, the it's flight. A little spoon. <laughs> it's like a coffee oh, cupping. Coffee. Uh, yes. Let's 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 talk about it. Let okay. me let me, what you let got, me tell buddy? you something, man. So, um, I have stopped drinking the dirty bean juice and went to the dirty shroom juice. Um. Well, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. We we can't talk about this publicly. Uh, I mean, this is not suitable for some of the audience uh, that's listening. Um, yeah. No way condone any. No, illicit this drugs. is yeah, not. Come, come on. on. So so we have. Uh, We've moved off of the normal coffee, and it, it we're actually just testing it out. Um, I d I hey, hey, we? Not, not no, you. This, this is not, not you. we. My, myself and my family have moved off of the normal coffee and testing out what is called mushroom coffee. It is, uh, has a lot of health benefits. Um, I was actually highly surprised at how close to actual coffee it tastes. I went from five to six cups of normal coffee to one to two cups of mushroom coffee the biggest scare that i had was the headaches the the caffeine headaches and i i know you really don't you don't have those do you when you drink your coffee like you could go without them without coffee uh speak for yourself about going without <laughs> coffee um <laughs> so i'll be honest uh i do oh get do. the headaches like if i step away from the caffeine so during lent uh so uh so i tried you know i'm, I'm a catholic Everybody throws stones at me, <laughs> but um, it, we give something up. And the one year I tried to do the no coffee, it was a bad experience uh, for the wife. <laughs> I'll just say, uh, 
because I was constantly running around with caffeine headaches and withdrawal from that stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, caffeine's a real thing. <laughs> you can hurt yourself if you uh, if you try to step you off can. of it. And but since being on this mushroom coffee, I have found that I'm more alert. Um, I wake up. I'm not droggy like I normally am. Um, it's it's actually interesting how it works. It's just a I think it's like four or five different kinds of mushrooms. They pretty much dry them out and grind them into a powder, and each one of them has their own medicinal purposes. Um, but it's surprisingly surprisingly good. I was I was highly impressed. Um, am I going to be on it forever? I don't know. I don't know. Um, one bag is about the price of what you pay for a good quality coffee. So the the price is doesn't matter. They're the same. They're about the same, you know. Um, so far, so good. I will say that. But I'm not going to pack it with me when I go places. I'm not going to. I'm not going to have a little shaker cup full of it so I can have my coffee in hot water. You know, I'll 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 drink regular coffee once I go out. But other than that. Are you going to cold brew it? I have cold brewed it. Oh, really? It's actually tasty. Uh, I, I prefer mine on ice. I, I usually drink one on ice. And uh, so, so funny, funny story here. You know, you do, you, the audience can't see the silly faces know, I'm making as I'm thinking about this. It's, it sounds like dirty tea water. So, <laughs> do you know, like, when you order Chinese food, the plastic container one stuff that has like the soup and stuff in it that you get so we have a, a plethora we have tons of these things I decided to take these containers and that's what I use as my drinking cup and that's what I make my coffee with <laughs> yeah, to reuse I it make yep, my coffee yep. with these just giant cups they hold a lot yep so yep. I, I usually that's what I make my iced coffee with is those things and that it works so man so I make some for the wife every once in a while. She, she's one of the unwashed miscreants that just drinks this uh, cold coffee. Okay. Uh, I, I'll give a call out to my uncle, um, my uncle Touche. He always says there's two things in life he doesn't like: uh, cold coffee and wet toilet paper. <laughs> uh, I always found that to be a pretty funny <laughs> joke. Um, kind of gross at the same time, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if he was trying to say that they went together. That's even grosser, but you know. Um, yeah, I don't like cold coffee that much. Uh, I don't mind. The one exception I'll give is the Costco, whatever they serve over there yeah. at Costco. They've got some kind of a drink that's like crack, I swear. It, it's like coffee and milk blended up in a frappy that comes out of a margarita machine. you get machine. one every time. Oh, I get it. I get it, yeah. <laughs> and it's good. It's like a – so we're from Louisiana. We have snowballs yep. here. It's like a coffee snowball almost mm. uh, that you can just drink. It, so it sounds actually really good. I never used to be a iced coffee person. Um, my wife definitely is not an iced coffee person. She is a needs to be hot. I don't like coffee any other way. Um, I since switching to the mushroom coffee, I found it much. She does no, the cold. No, she's still hot. Oh. I found <laughs> it much more palatable on ice. Is it that bad? Are you it's having to, to convince bad. yourself no, that it's, it's not, not bad? <laughs> it's it's actually good, and they have different kinds. Like there's there's different brands. Like we tried we tried two different brands. Uh, the, the latest brand that we just tried is called Mudwater. We're not sponsored or anything by it. That doesn't sound uh, good. That sounds rather but, uh, muddy. <laughs> and it's it's got chai mixed in. And I w did. That's another no word for it, me. It, it, uh, <laughs> 
I don't mind chai. It is not my favorite. But it has that chai flavor. It definitely flavor. tastes yeah. like chai. <laughs> you definitely know it's chai. Like if you taste it, you, you know, know what that exactly is you're drinking. Is. You know. And, and so, but yeah, that's my uh, that's my coffee switch. And hit, who knows? Hell, maybe next time we talk, I'll be back on the regular dirty bean juice. Why do you make it sound so nasty when you call it dirty bean well, juice? It, 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 that's what it um, is, right? I mean, it's... Well, <laughs> technically, yeah. Uh, they call it cherry, technically, well, buddy. It, All right. Dirty bean juice. So uh, I'm on a Rwanda Uh-oh. right now. I'll just tell you, just to make Thank you feel you. bad. So I I went to the uh, the store, and I picked up some more of the mm, French Truck that's coffee. coffee. That's sponsored. Uh, and uh, I like to try whatever they have is there are mm-hmm. seasonal u- most of the time, which is Pestin, which was the same thing I was drinking, I think, the last time. Um, this Rwandan, though, uh, it's Rwandan Karambi, and I'm sorry if I'm definitely mispronouncing that station. Um, the tasting notes on that one is orange marmalade, sweet cherry, vanilla, and coca nibs, which is just fantastic. Like, it's far exceeded my expectations, and it was like, I, 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 I just bought it because it was the one I hadn't yeah. had yet. And I got it home, uh, and, I've, and I've run, I think, three cups through the machine so far, and it was just like, wow, this is Sounds so fruity. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the previous one wasn't as much of a fan of. It's one of the first ones I've had. Uh, it was a Columbia Geisha one, yeah. they called it. And um, the, the big notice that I've seen and the stuff that I like and I don't like, the bean diameter gets bigger on the ones I don't care for as much. And it uh, tends to have what I would call a white chocolate flavor to some of the – which is different, uh, is markedly different than like what you just said. Whenever you, I read the the tasting notes in this one, um, it, you know it's more fruity. Let me see if the Columbia get. Yeah, they still have it here. Let me see what the notes on that one are. Um, lavender, chamomile, condensed milk, jasmine, and tangerine. So it's not as fruity. It's more herbal. Maybe that's what I need to learn to look for. That I, uh, I I don't think like you like the I don't think you like the herbal see. blends. That's what it sounds like. Because I know you talked a, a, a while back that you really enjoyed it. Well, y- primarily the black cherry stuff. You you tend to gravitate towards that, and I I think that I, I think yeah. maybe you're a, a fruity coffee drinker. Well, um, I, and, and that's the thing. Like I don't know how to identify what I like and what I don't like. Um, it's it's a lot like picking out scent oh. notes uh, if you've never smelled yeah. something. When you ask somebody to tell you what you mm-hmm. like. I mean, I, I've drank a, a butt ton mm-hmm. of coffee in my entire life, and I just don't know what goes into what's good and what isn't. If you, to- if you told me to tell you what the flavor is, it's kind of like uh, bourbon drinking, and I know that you've given up the, uh, the sauce, that water, or the fire <laughs> water. Yeah, you're off the sauce permanently, but um, I, I would say that... Um, you know, whenever you, you feed somebody a bourbon, though, just as an example, uh, and if you tell them that you should taste the orange in that, of course they're going to tell you like a raving idiot that, yeah, I can taste the orange. Uh, there's some of that, I think, that always happens in yeah. some of these things. You know, it's almost like people imagine what they're tasting a little bit. And yeah. You just say it, and everybody just kind of agrees and circle jerks <laughs> on the thing. But um, I do find that um, – you know, if you get outside of that and you just try to think about what it is you like and what it is that you don't like, um, you come up with more interesting data, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, it's like, okay, well, I tasted that. I don't know what it was, but I know I don't like it, I guess. And and that's very individual for you to yeah. figure out. And the bad news is you have to try that 
that hobby a lot before you figure it out, just like you at the mushroom coffee. Gotta try it. It's like, you know, maybe the, maybe the first one wasn't great. And so the second one, oh, well, yeah, this is a good displacement for uh, for it, and it's pretty close. It was. It's it's uh, it's interesting, and I think I think you you listed out some pretty good, some interesting qualities. You know, like that's that's what it is with everything, right? You got to try it out to see if you like it. If you don't like it, take it back. Like move on. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Life's too uh, short to sit here and keep doing and what you don't jasmine. like, I guess. And drink jasmine and chai. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I guess that's going to do it. Uh, we took you guys right up to a uh, almost a cool hour. Um, I hope you guys stuck with us through the whole time. And I hope to see you guys back uh, on our next episode, which I hope we have something really, really juicy for you on the next one. Oh, we got something yeah. special for you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to tease it out. Uh, Definitely not going to do that. But uh, I know it's going to be good. Um, We'll just say that there's going to be a special guest. Special. Probably. More than likely. Special. All right. Special Special guest. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We're going to go ahead and sign off. And we look forward to uh, hearing you guys. Or hearing. Send your questions. Hearing. Yep. That's at uh, Collab and Caffeine at Cisco.com. Uh, once more. Uh, oh, funny story on that before we let you go, uh, as we're trying to get out <laughs> the door here. Um, we did get our first oh. email. It was oh. a spam. But we got an email. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got an email. Um, it was a guy that wanted to offer us podcasting oh. advice and oh, help. And uh, it was a handwritten oh. one, uh, but it came from, and he specifically said it wasn't, but then it was also from oh. a mailer. Which was hilarious because it's like, I promise this isn't that, oh, okay. but it is. Well, hey, at least we got one. Yeah, we got one. So Fan uh, base is growing. I think, it's, I think it's fun to have a little self-deprecating humor here. But, uh, as, long, you know, as long as we have one person now that listening, we that's all that matters. It, it may have been AI. It may have well, been chat GPT that was listening in this instance. All right. Well, hey, <laughs> thank you guys. Uh, look forward to uh, hosting you guys next time. And as always, have fun. Take care. Peace out. Bye.